Yo, 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 yo. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to everyone's favorite weekly podcast. It's Boys Will Be Boys. With me, as always, the esteemed Benjamin Walker. Ben, how you doing today? Hello, Anthony Goat Gatelli. How are you doing, brother? I'm feeling just fine, just fine. Excellent. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, just uh, letting you know, I'm actually an Andy from an alternate timeline. Um, in my universe, the Cowboys are two and three, but only because Zeke sat the first six weeks of the year. And then we recently traded from Artavis Bryant and signed Navarro Bowman as a free agent. So we're actually pretty excited about the upcoming games. Wouldn't that be my timeline? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that oh, be nice? you're damn right. It would be a lot to discuss today, everyone. Obviously, um, for a week that didn't have a game, this is a, uh, a pretty packed week of Dallas Cowboy news. Um, got a lot to get to, so uh, we'll just dive uh, right in. So, Ben, a lot to get to. We got the Zeke stuff, the ever-present Zeke drama. We got the, uh, the excitement surrounding an almost free agent signing. Uh, mm. where, where do you want to start? Well, first yeah, of all, which like, one hit you harder? Which one was a bigger deal to you this week? Yeah, uh, I think you got to say the Zeke stuff um, going on, and none of us are legal minds, so who knows where this thing will turn. But, man, it just stays looming over this team like a dark fucking cloud, man. Yeah, and, and for uh, those who didn't keep up all week, so Zeke Elliott was uh, – he had his yeah. Give us the give us the recap here, go. Yeah, so so basically, Zeke Elliott, um, embattled star running back of the Dallas Cowboys, um, had his uh, temporary restraining order pulled by a federal court judge last week, um, making it so that Zeke would have to serve the six game suspension starting immediately. Um, the NFL Players Association, as well as Zeke's legal team, and I'm sure the best army of lawyers Jerry Jones could buy. Uh, went to work pretty much immediately trying to undo that damage and filed uh, for a new temporary restraining order in the state of New York, which is where the NFL had filed their case. Um, and today, um, we got some bad news early. The Fifth, court, the fifth Circuit uh, Court federal judge who had originally given Zeke his temporary restraining order in Texas uh, threw the case out, so dismissed it completely. And so I think we are all... Um, so that meant that Zeke's suspension was in effect. Correct. Absolutely. When the TRO got thrown out, all of a sudden Zeke was suspended and no longer allowed to report to the facility. Couldn't even be at the facility. And then today at around 6 o'clock, I think, um, after a, a lot of deliberation, uh, the judge in the, the New York circuit came back and granted Zeke uh, yet another temporary restraining order based on a couple different factors um, one being what he called irreparable harm being done to Zeke by this suspension. Uh, another being that Zeke's team raised uh, very what he called very legitimate concerns about the fairness of how this case was carried out. Uh, the lack of cross-examination was specifically highlighted. And I think that's something that, um, you know, call us homers, call us, you know, Zeke defenders, whatever you want. But it was very weird. Which that we are. Absolutely, absolutely. Guilty as charged. Um, but it was odd that uh, this woman who had accused Zeke of doing this stuff was only interviewed by one person the entire time, and that one person said that she thought she was lying. So 
So it's been a back and forth thing. Obviously, this is not the end of the road for Mr. Elliott. Um, he has to appear before a judge again by the uh, October 30th. So this probably just bought us a couple weeks, um, but certainly a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my, my take on that. Uh, thank you for the excellent recap there, goat. Uh, but of course. Yeah. So essentially we get the news um, broke late last week that it looked like he was going to be suspended. You pull up these six games. And as we did for you in our previous podcast, uh, it's a tough ass schedule coming up. I think every Cowboys fans first thought was, man, if he was going to serve six, why didn't we just have him do this season? We probably are two and three without him. Um, and then, you know, it comes out that they're going to, file in New York and this thing's basically just back to, to peg one um, and it's starting all over again. And he got another TRO, except this time they're going to fight it in New York. We'll see what comes of it. Um, I saw from the, the um, tweets I was following today that it looks like they're going to making the ruling, the next ruling on October 30th, but they're going to revisit it on October 30th. So essentially Zeke's granted the ability to play until October 30th, which gives us at minimum two more games of, of Zeke goat. Um, now let me ask you, do you feel good about that or worried about that? I mean, obviously on one hand, man, I want to see Zeke on the field. He's an incredible weapon when he's at his best, even when he's a step slower than maybe he's supposed to be. The dude puts up a hundred yards, he gets in the end zone. Um, on the other hand, we're quickly running out of runway here, and if he does have to serve a six-game suspension, he's going to run out of games. You know, if he if he is not serving his six-game suspension by November twenty-third when we play the Chargers, he will miss any, if any, playoff game that we make. Um, now plays the 49ers and the Redskins and then you know even if you got to like the Chiefs um and then had to sit Falcons Eagles Chargers Redskins Giants Raiders man that's a tough, it's a tough run games. man there's there's not a six game run in there that's going to be easy though um you, you know you could make a case see. you could make a case that him sitting the next six games would be best because we've got 49ers which is a winnable game the Redskins, who are, aren't, aren't world beaters, then Chiefs-Falcons, and then Eagles-Chargers, which is a division game, Man. which is always tough, and then the Chargers. So You I could don't have know made a case, and we kind of did that. You might have just wanted him as a fan to serve the first six games to begin this season. I totally agree. Uh, I touched on that. I mean, guy is innocent and believes he's innocent. He's got to fight it the whole way, and I don't – Andy, correct. It's him fully fighting it, or it's NFLPA. Like I, I mean, obviously he's a part of it, but it seems like the NFLPA is going to fight the NFL on pretty much any Roger Goodell related suspension. That's not yeah, and it's it's impossible or, to know. Obviously, um, you know who's doing what. Um, I will say that I think the NFLPA looks at this and says that if a guy can get suspended with this level of lack of evidence every one of their guys is going to be wide open to blackmail and any woman can come to any player and say, give me money or I will scream abuse and you know, they will believe me. And in fact, this woman did say that she said, I want to get so, paid. 
yeah. you're a, you're a black athlete. I'm a white woman. They will never believe you. And she was damn right. So I'll say this. I, we don't know how guilty or not guilty Zeke is. We do know that she has, even this judge said credibility issues. Um, I don't want to say that's the only factor here. Um, you know, there were some bruises related uh, or that, that surfaced um, pictures of her being bruised. People saying that was from a fight. She's saying it from Zeke. It's a he said, she said, which in domestic violence cases is pretty much always going to be, unfortunately. the, the, the And, the and let's be clear here, Ben. If there was irrefutable evidence that Zeke did what he is being accused of doing, we are both 100% behind him being suspended. That That is a non-starter. Agree. Agree. We, we um, want to get that out there. We are not yeah. – uh, that the pod is not pro domestic violence. I just want to make that. Clear. <laughs> We're going to make a very controversial stand here and be anti woman beating on <laughs> this podcast. Women beating, yes. Yeah. So I don't care who knows. I don't care who. I don't care how many fans it loses us. We <laughs> are not in favor of domestic violence, and I said it on the so record. If you're, if you're if you're listening out there, and and if you're pro woman beating, then you just hit the stop button, man. Get get going, dude. Get out of here. Um, so yeah, so obviously that's you know, I I think Zeke could have a great game against the 49ers. Um, you know, like you said, man, I kind of wish he would have sat at the beginning of the year, at least psychically for me as a fan. If we were two and three but had missed Zeke, so, I'd be sitting here being like, Well, once we get Zeke back, we'll be fine. I would feel a lot better about the season. Yeah, so let me tell you my fear is that this thing keeps looming. Like we were I don't think there's any coincidence this came during a buy, whatever anyone I don't I don't think that's a conspiracy at all. I think this was definitely the reason the NFL ruled this is because the Cowboys were on a bye week. But he messed up that he technically could have missed this game, then got the TRO, played two games, and then suspended five after that. I mean, it cloud that's looming over the team. And I don't man, if you're Ezekiel Elliott, I don't know how you stay focused personally. Yeah, agreed. Um, um, and and that's that's my big fear with this team is when they get to suspension, if they all know it's sitting out there, it's just this this thing that could easily at any point come and derail your season. And that that worries me. Like obviously we want Zeke on the field in a perfect world. Uh we'll say it gets thrown out because he's innocent. Um but if he gets suspended for six games later in the season, you're asking a lot of your backup running backs at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's a lot of drama to be had coming up. Um, October 30th becomes the new, the latest of a long string of crazy deadlines that will determine the future of this team. And your, um, your boys will be boys. Co-hosts will keep you abreast of the latest absolutely. news. Absolutely. We do know one thing. He's he's playing Sunday, Goat. So that he is he's playing on the fantasy team. He's out there. He's projected 19.2 points. So obviously they think he's gonna ball a little bit against 49ers. So I like it. So moving on to um, maybe a little less heavy uh, of a, of drama. Um, this week saw yet another uh, in a long series of rumored free agent acquisitions to the Cowboys that would make the whole season, turn the boat around, perfectly fit us in every way. And as per usual, the Cowboys barely took a swing. Um, 
No, Jerry never misses his man. So <laughs> weren't, clearly, we weren't interested. Uh, but no, what Anthony's talking about is Navarro Bowman became a free agent uh, from the Niners. They decided to part ways with their veteran linebacker. I believe he's a three-time All-Pro. Four-time um, All-Pro. Part of those four-time All-Pro, thank you. Uh, part of the stout Niner defenses that uh, a few years ago, I mean, man, if we were doing this podcast five years ago, we'd be talking about the Niners are the best team in the land. I mean, that team was nasty. One of the best linebacker cores I've ever seen between Brooks, Willis, Bowman, Smith. Yeah, ridiculous. that front seven was just meaner than any Cowboys defense I've ever gotten to witness in my life, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, so Bowman becomes a free agent, and it's quickly noted that the Cowboys are a possible destination point. And I'll just go ahead and say I wanted him bad. Yeah, I know yeah. we were texting Andy, so you can go ahead and tell. Yeah, man, I wanted Bowman you were bad. Um you know, we've struggled tremendously at the linebacker position. Um, with Lee, especially with Sean Lee out, um, he did return to practice six days ago, which is great. I'm very excited about that. We need him bad, badly. Um, and obviously, I've been a very big supporter uh, since his drafting of Jalen Smith, who I do think will become um, an incredible player, but I don't think he's all the way healthy yet. And I do think he's effectively a rookie. So asking him to kind of shoulder the the load of the entire linebacker core with a banged up Anthony Hitchens and a always mediocre Justin Durant um, success. And we've seen team after team now take advantage of that. The Rams specifically really targeted uh, our linebackers in cover, coverage and intermediate routes, um, and they were able to get a lot of production out of that. So bringing Bowman in, um, especially with this capability to stop the run, which has been demonstrated. And you can go watch any highlight tape on YouTube of this guy. He absolutely has elite vision, even if he's a little slower than he was, uh, you know, four or five years ago. Um, the guy just absolutely knows where to be and does not miss a tackle. So very excited. Um, he, you know, and it was quickly announced that he had already kind of narrowed it down to two teams, uh, one being the Dallas Cowboys and two being the Oakland Raiders, who are just across – uh, the Bay Bridge from his uh, his home up until that point in his career, the 49ers. Now, um, the schedule, as I understood it, was that he was going to visit the Raiders on uh, Monday and then Dallas today. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, he never made it to Dallas. No, he signed, say, one-year, $3 million deal, which doesn't sound like a lot for a player, especially in the app room uh, of his caliber. And he's going to play in Oakland. was a little upset because I thought it would have been a great fit. You know, him and Sean Lee both went to Penn State at the same time. They have that chemistry. Um, you can find countless pictures on the internet after we play the Niners in games. They're always – um, talking post game, and I'm pretty sure they worked out during the off season one year. So that would have been a good fit. And like I said, we the one thing we're lacking on this team is really veterans, um, veteran leadership. We have Sean Lee, we have Orlando Scandrick, and then a lot of youth. You know, we don't have yep. Barry Church, we don't have Brandon Carr. Uh, whatever you thought of those guys, you know, they were at least in the NFL for a long time, and. I would have liked Bowman, at least for that aspect. Like I said, people say he's not as effective in pass coverage anymore, but, man, if we just stopped the run, I'd be good with that. So Absolutely. There. 
And I'm well, I mean, and that and that marks the okay, third one a, this offseason. That's what I'm saying. This was a bye week, so I don't get how we couldn't meet with him when these other teams are playing Bowman's camp. But if we really wanted him, man, we we had to have a, a leg up on the rest of competition there. And uh, yeah, swing and a miss. So so no. Well, and, that's, and like I said, that's the third one this offseason. Um, it's kind of come out that the, the Cowboys took a swing at Joe Hayden. Um, did not, yeah, did not get him. TJ Ward, um, was offered more money by the Cowboys than what he got, uh, in Pittsburgh, but decided to go to Pittsburgh, wanted to be a Stealer. Um, and you have to, you have to wonder a little bit, you know, is that where TJ Ward? I think they, that's where Drayden ended up. Oh, you're right. Uh, where did TJ Ward end up? Uh, I want to say. Like Washington, the Buccaneers, oh, the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was somewhere so, in NFC, but agree. Uh, you have to wonder a little bit when situations like that happen over and over again. How much of it is okay? Like the Cowboys didn't go after him hard enough. We didn't put on the press. And how much of it do you think is that these guys don't like what they hear about our locker room? I don't know if it's a locker room thing, but you have to. Uh, now question, the last big free agent the Dallas Cowboys signed, I guess you could say Greg Hardy, and that was just strictly I don't think anyone else was offering him a job. But if you go before him, I guess he would go to Brandon Carr back when they gave yeah. him that money, and he was pretty highly coveted. You know, there was a time in this team's history, recent history, where we used to go after a lot of free agents and buy. Now, it wasn't a, a, a formula for success. And I love the fact that we're really homegrown now and we're doing it through the draft and really guys that they like. But that being said, it never hurts to bring in a, a, a quality free agent, especially the likes of Ward or Bowman or. Well, and I think that there's another piece of it. That's like, I, I agree with you hundred percent on, I love that the team develops his own talent. This team has drafted exceptionally well over the last five years um, and we have tremendous talent, but the fact that we don't even go for some of these larger trade opportunities, I mean, I'm not saying I wanted either of these guys desperately, but the fact that we weren't even in the discussion for the Sheldon Richardson's, we're not going to be in the hunt for Martavis Bryant. Um, these are positions of need for this team. Um, and the fact that we're not even like, offering a little bit just to see what the, the asking price is on these guys. That's surprising. Um, especially when you see in the draft, you see Jerry trying to trade picks to get up, you know, move up and down in the draft all the time. He tried to get Connor cook last year. He tried to get um, the quarterback from Denver. Yeah, so the question becomes, is this a strategic move by the team or is this them striking out on any of these guys. And, you know, I mean, the guy can only sign to one team, so if four sure. or five teams are going in, you're going to have a, a lot that miss out. But it just seems like this team hasn't got a win on a free agent in a long time. I mean, we signed Nolan Carroll's trash ass. and God. He also got cut over the weekend. We didn't get to mention that, I don't think. That is that is a, a very big positive for this team, um, definitely an addition by subtraction. Um, frankly, when Nolan was on the field, he was a target. Um, teams knew they could take advantage of him. He did not have the coverage skills. Um, and even when you hear, you know, beat writers from the Cowboys, et cetera, et cetera, they were always like, well, if Nolan Carroll just doesn't mess up, 
Like, this guy was never going to make a play. We're just hoping that he doesn't make the play for the other team. I'm under the belief we brought him in in the offseason to just get Des Bryant's confidence up because Des has just historically destroyed him, and it was just a long manipulation. <laughs> but you know what? I like what I, we have. I, I, never got it. I never liked the trade. But to be fair, they signed him before they – I believe before they went out um, and, and, and drafted Jordan Lewis, Xavier Woods, and Chidobe Awuzie. So – and I like what we have. You in know, those things happen. Um, you know, yeah, they're young. They're gonna make mistakes, and that's the problem. Well, and, and they make a mistake at the same time. Like their Woods and Lewis are number one and number five in uh, lowest yards per coverage snap played. I mean, yes, these guys are not getting burned up and down the field over and over again. How they? I mean, Lewis, he got attacked by Rogers on that last play of the game. He, he made a good play on one and then and covered the guy well. Um, but is Rodgers, he's going to make plays on you sometimes. Um, we have the makings of a good set of cornerbacks with Anthony Brown, veteran in Skandrick, Lewis, Cheeto. Um, I think Woods can eventually either, you know, play some of that nickel spot stuff or, you know, fall back and tr- play his true position at safety. I think we would all like to see Jeff Heath get less field time than he's currently getting. I was about to say, uh, you're going through everyone. I was about to say, as long as Jeff Heath gets replaced, it, it, at this point to me, isn't so much we lost Barry Church. It's the fact that we have to start Heath. We didn't replace Barry Church with anybody. Um, yeah. I, lo- I would love if X became that guy. That would be sweet. But uh, right now, you know, it's interesting when you look at the secondary, Andy, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but they've, you know, when they since they've got Byron Jones, they've gotten a lot of those guys who are almost hybrid nickel corner or safety guys like Byron. Hyper athletic with some size. Yeah, like hot Byron, Chidobe, both those guys, you know, could have played safety or corner with the 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 tout coming out of college. And I think right. you see a little bit of that with uh, even Xavier Woods. They've played at corner a lot more than safety, which I thought was 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 interesting, or at least in straight man coverage. So, but uh, anyway, I think that's our, our free agency wrap up of the week. Um, Cowboys, in conclusion, almost lost the bye week. Could have won the bye week. Instead, I'm going to call it uh, a, a draw. And yeah, definitely a push. Know, we, for two more games, ladies and gentlemen. If if you're pumped about that, I'm happy for you. I'm worried that we're just delaying the inevitable here, but I'm still hopeful, Goat. I'm still hopeful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go around the division real quick. Um, like we said, Cowboys were off this week, had a bye week, um, but the rest of the division was quite active. Um, so let's just run quickly through – uh, who, who you know what we saw from these guys uh, and what we're thinking of them as of now. So we'll start with the Thursday night game, um, Panthers Eagles. Uh, Panthers playing at home. Cam struggling a little bit in this one. Battle of two four and ones go absolutely big game. Um, and the Eagles come out with a win, twenty eight twenty three. Not a dominant win. Um, they didn't run them over, but when you're playing a four and one team, a good team and you're on the road, um, get you know coming out with more points is the point, and uh, they did a good job. So the Eagles continue to impress. Yeah, it's unfortunate. They, at this point, if you had to name a top team in the NFC, 
you know, they're at very minimum on the short list, probably number one at this point. You know, they've looked – losses come to the Chiefs. Uh, once again, Andy, I, I watched pretty much that game in full. I wasn't paying uh, super close attention to it, but I had it on my TV at all times. And uh, you, you, you summarized it well. I wasn't blown away by anything they did, but, you know, Carson Wentz is – putting up a lot of yards. They uh, they have a decent run game, and they have a mean front seven. They were after Cam Newton all day. They made him uncomfortable. Um, and Fletcher you know, Cox Cam can, can look good. Day. Can look bad. Yeah, absolutely. And Cam can look good, and Cam can look bad. And he, at the end of the day, I thought he looked uh, he looked pretty bad in this one. Uh, but, yep, the Eagles moved to 5-1. and one. Good win for them. Absolutely. Uh, next up, um, our most uh, racially insensitively named – uh, rival, the Washington Redskins. Um, so this, the skins are kind of a mystery to me, man. I'll be honest with you. Um, coming in, uh, they were two and two. Um, they had a, a win, a dominant win over the Raiders, uh, and they had beat the Rams, who we've seen ha- are much improved this year. Um, lost pretty bad to the Eagles, but again, the Eagles are playing really well. And had lost to the Chiefs, but not a not a blowout, a respectable loss to the Chiefs, nine points. Um, and then, man, they barely make it out of the 49ers game alive at home. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch this one as much in full. I was flipping between a, a few games at the time. I think I had the red zone up on my end. Uh, but what I did see is they uh, – the Redskins – I mean, the, the Niners, excuse me, were – in this until the bitter end, um, they score a touchdown and the Niners are down three with, I think about seven minutes left. They give the ball back to Washington. And if they got to stop, you know, it was anyone's game. Washington did a good job of, of putting together a, a touchdown drive. Kirk cousins runs in the go ahead by 10 touchdown and they pretty much sealed it from there. But, uh, that one, uh, the Niners were, I mean, certainly in that game the entire time. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, it's a the, – the Redskins were never down, um, but they they certainly didn't, you know, blow out what, what was, you know, not a great team. Um, and looking at stats, you know, um, the, they gave up two rushing touchdowns to Carlos Hyde. Um, they only managed 33 rushing yards from their best – uh, rusher and they their best their top receiver was a running back out of the backfield. So obviously, um, 49ers secondary did not get you know blown to pieces by um, what is traditionally a pretty high powered passing attack. Um, yeah, Washington. You know, we saw a flash of, uh, of Josh Doxson, um, but interesting game from the Redskins to be sure. Yeah, I was just gonna say Washington's a, a weird team. You know they they brought in Terrell. Well, let me. Back up even a little further here. They lose Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon over the offseason. They're eating two pass yep. catchers, Kirk Cousins' favorite targets. And they go ahead and sign Terrell Pryor. Um, Josh Dotson's getting healthy, former first round pick. Well, goat. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Jamison Crowder is decent, but they've been just a little off kilter. Like they're winning, but you noticed. You're not seeing a lot of Jordan Reed. You're really not seeing a lot of Terrell Pryor yet. He's been – him and Kirk Cousins have not been in sync at all, Andy. It really has been this Chris Thompson kid on offense 
has kind of turned into the reliable check down, if you will, for uh, Kirk Cousins, and he's busted off a few screenplays, but they're not uh, they're not winning games. I guess the way I thought they would. Uh, no, and they're you know what they are is they've they've won some close games that the Cowboys have lost, and if they if they lose the same games we lose, I think that we're talking the same way about the Redskins. We're talking about the Cowboys. Talent's not the problem. Something's off here. You know, is focus the issue, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but they've had a couple balls bounce their way, and so they end up three and two instead of two and three. Um, I'm, I'm not terrified of playing the Redskins. I think, um, you know, I, I definitely think they're better in better shape right now than who we'll talk about next, uh, our friends up in New York. Um, but um, they are certainly not the Eagles, and I don't think that they can hang with us if they keep playing the ball they're playing right now. Yeah, like a lot of teams in the NFC, and we should spend a segment in general talking about the landscape of the NFC, if you want. Um, I don't want to dive too long into it, but but just in general, they're like a lot of people. They're just kind of hanging in there. You know, I, I don't – you can't hate what they're doing, but it's not like you look at them and you see contender written all over them either. So they moved to three and two. They win, and – uh you know, hats off for that, but uh, it was a, it was a nice little preview to see what the Niners are going to do, and we'll uh, we'll touch on that too. Right on, um, and then yeah, finally, um, the New York Football Giants. Um, this is a team that coming into this game uh, against the so, Broncos, um, just straight up had been kind of blown off the field by almost everyone they played. Um, you know, putting up three points against the Cowboys put up 10 points the next week against the Lions. Um, then they got Odell back, started putting up some points decently. Um, but then they come into this Broncos game with no Odell, no Brandon Marshall. No Sterling Shepard. Uh, no Sterling Shepard, an offensive line that can at best be called pretty bad. Um, and missing both – uh, you know, with or with at least significant injuries in recent weeks to both Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, Not to mention the suspension to DRC, which was a real bizarre right. scenario. Yeah, and I still don't know all the details on that. Yeah, he showed up to the facility, yeah. was told that he was suspended, got in a fight with uh, with uh, child molester lookalike Ben McAdoo. Um, and was informed he would not be playing, and he left the facility. Um, so that's that's not a good relate. Now, obviously, like I don't think that speaks much to like the whole Giants locker room or anything like that. But it certainly doesn't speak volumes in a good way about the relationship between you know uh, one of the veterans on that secondary and the head football coach who's already on the hot seat and kind of under fire. Yeah, absolutely. I mean they they've been taking a lot of hell and rightfully so. I mean, this team was 11 and five last year. A lot of people's Super Bowl pick out of the NFC. I mean, not, not yeah. NFC East champion Super Bowl pick. And I'm not going to lie to you, Goat, when we did our, uh, uh, we weren't doing our podcast at this time, but when we were just talking predictions, I really thought New York might win our division and we'd get a wild card. I was high on them coming into the season and <laughs> I was dead. Yeah. Wrong. So they come into this Denver game 0-5, and people are wondering if they're going to win a game. 
They're going up against the Broncos in Denver, who we know put a shellacking on the Cowboys. I mean, the worst loss I have seen probably in five years. Yeah, I mean, probably the worst regular season loss I've seen since the night that Wade Phillips got fired. They managed to go out there with nobody, and Orleans Darkwa and company ran all over the Broncos. Um, The Broncos turned into a pumpkin at midnight. Uh, Trevor Simeon, who had looked like Joe Montana against our secondary, um, man, he could not throw the ball to a Giants corner quick enough. Um, Football is weird, dude. This this Denver team looked – Super Bowl form after two yeah, weeks. Yeah, world beating. I mean, and not just the way they beat us. I mean, that happens, but they dismantled us. They looked good. They, I, I'm shocked to see them lose this game, to be honest. The one of the worst offensive lines in football with Orleans Darkwa running behind them ran all over this team. All over them. Yeah, no, and we mentioned they don't – you can't – name their wide receivers i don't care who you are out there listening you may think you know their wide receivers no you're googling that you don't know their wide receivers okay that is how beat up this team is and how bad that they've looked and for them to come out and and put up 23 points respectable i mean i I watched a little bit of this game on sunday night i don't know how much you saw but it was it wasn't it was always new york all way oh absolutely I mean, Darkwa goes for 117 yards, which has got to be close to his career high. Um, and who is that guy? Yeah, that's that's a guy you pick up in fantasy because someone's hurt. Um, Darkwa goes for 117. Uh, the tight end gets you know 82 and a touchdown. Um, it's it's just a freakish a freakish occurrence and it's it's exactly why people you know love football these kind of things happen so given that breakdown of the division ben um you know where do you see us in the the nfc east yeah so you look at it and 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 i'm gonna expand it and if you will let me to pass the nfc east just the nfc in general uh i just want to Briefly, we, we don't need to go into detail on them, but Atlanta loses and blows a 17-point lead to Miami, which is a really bad loss. So Atlanta drops with two losses. Um, you had Aaron Rodgers, a Aaron, the um, non-family man himself, going out for what looks to be the season with a broken collarbone. Collarbone, shoulder, throwing shoulder side. So whatever you want to say about Brett Hundley and what he may or may not be and what backup quarterbacks have done in the, the recent few or recent past, um, it's one thing's known. He's not Aaron Rodgers, so they look a little bit out of the mix. I don't know what Minnesota is. I don't know what Carolina is. So when you look at the NFC as a whole, Andy, um, the only thing that keeps me actually positive about this team is that it's wide open. Um yeah, Philly, certainly when you look at our division, they've looked the best in the NFC. There's no doubt about that. They're 5-1. and one. Uh, They're rolling on all cylinders. Um, Carson Wentz has is, is taken that step forward that you hear people love to talk about with quarterbacks. Yep. Um, Nelson Aguilar apparently can catch this season. 
I even saw an Eagles fan call him Nelson Snags Galore, which was news to me. But that is one a terrible nickname. Two, <laughs> I have we checked in with Hell to see if it is frozen over that Eagles fans are now pro Nelson Aguilar. That is it's weird beyond weird. He, I saw him make a highlight play, and I'm not I'm not talking about highlight for the defense, Andy. I'm not talking about. Some bricks on his hands. I'm talking about him spinning a dude out and falling into the end zone type highlights. Yeah, I saw him do the Deshaun. He he did the Deshaun Jackson fall backwards into the end zone. As yeah, insane. yeah. So Philly, when you look at the division, it's always hard because once you put yourself out of the division race, you instantly have to look at wild card. Yep. And I guess that's the only thing that keeps you positive at, at this juncture being two and three is it's so wide open, man. I mean, there's every team in the NFC is flawed. Yep. At this point, very flawed. Seattle's flawed. They have a bad O line. Their defense is not the defense of four years ago. They have no running game. The Packers just lost Aaron Rodgers. Atlanta's got Super Bowl hangover. They lost their offensive coordinator, who's now in head coach at San Francisco. They can't move the ball as well as they did. I mean, they're putting up 17 points with Julio Jones, Freeman, Coleman. I mean, you – man, and Matt Ryan. Yeah, I mean, Matt, it's, Matty Ice. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy the amount of, of, of talented players they have on that roster, and yet they can't put out big points. So, all in all, yeah, I'll say for the division, it's hard for me. And with the Zeke thing looming, it makes it really hard to project – it would make it hard to project anyway, but it definitely makes it hard to, to look at what we're going to be. And it's tough to say we're going to catch Philly, but to be fair, if you want to go back a year ago today, I'm pretty sure Philly was four and two or five and one actually before we went in there and whooped up on them. Yep. Um, it may be five and oh, sorry. Andy, I know I looked this up early in the week and I forgot, but uh, people are talking about them as, as the real deal. A year ago, and then November came, and they just got beat by everybody and anybody. Um, and if you if you get that stat, Andy, let me know. But they were killing. Yeah, they were they they were they were four and two at one point. Okay, and and then beat then they beat they went in and beat the shit out of the undefeated Vikings at the time. The Vikings who had killed everyone. Also, they they had back to back wins against Pittsburgh, who they beat thirty four to three, a good Pittsburgh team that they drilled thirty four to three, and then they knocked off the five and zero Vikings. And so last year, everyone was screaming that this team was ready, and then I think we're the ones who knocked them off, right? Did we, or was this a week or two before? So they beat the Steelers thirty-four to three. Then they lose by one point to Detroit in Detroit. Okay. Then they lose by a so touchdown to the Skins. At that point, they're four and one. Then they lose to the Redskins at in Washington. They go to four and two, and then they bounce back and drill the undefeated Vikings, twenty-one ten. So they're rolling into Dallas at five and two having beat two of the best teams in the league, and they lose a heartbreaker 23-29 to the Cowboys. Yep. That was the, and then the they end up, game in OT. And that's the beginning of the fall, man. Then they lose to the Giants. They beat the Falcons somehow, then lose to Seattle, the Packers, the Bengals, Washington, and the Ravens all in a row before finally, right. uh, and before finally getting a win against, against the Giants. 
So my point was that they, when November came, they fell completely apart. That's the only thing that's keeping me from crowning this team right now is we have to see. Um, they've looked very, very good. It's going to be tough to catch them, but this team dropped five in a row last year. So we'll see. And they quickly fell out of the, the playoff picture at that point. So we'll see yeah. um, moving forward what they got. But I'll say this, Andy, I, we're still live and well. I said all that to say this. We're live and well for a wild card spot. I, I completely agree. Um, you know, if we win these next two games, if we go with Zeke and beat the 49ers in Washington and we're sitting at four and three, I'll feel very good about it. But it'll look a hell of a lot different than than two and three. So, um, and then I guess kind of to, to wrap us up this evening, um, you know, obviously we want to give a little preview of uh, this week's matchup. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, will play the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco uh at 3:05 p.m. we got the mid-afternoon game. Um what can you say about the 49ers? They have not played well. Um have not won a game. Um they're switching quarterbacks uh and don't have a ton of of options here. They they clearly have gone into rebuilding mode. Uh like we said at the beginning of the episode, they uh they jettisoned four-time all-pro linebacker Navarro Bowman. Um you know, I think I can name at this point is Eric Reed, um, who's very good. But other than that, yeah, they liked really that scary. Alabama kid. I think they took who they get Jonathan Allen. Is that right? Uh, Reuben Foster. Yeah, sorry, Ruben Jonathan Foster. Allen's on those skins, but he's hurt. Yes, yes, sorry, um, I mixed yeah, it up. Yeah, Reuben Foster. Reuben Foster's a good player, um, and that's one of the reasons I guess they got rid of Bowman. It's yeah. clear this regime knows that they're not a top-tier team. Uh, they're making way for the future. And because of that, you saw the benching of Brian Hoyer in the first two quarters of football from C.J. Beathard. I know that's not his last name, but I love calling him Beathard. I think it's – Yeah, I have I no idea who that guy is. Um, you don't remember him? So he was uh, – I was quarterback. Uh, oh, Wow. The Iowa Hawkeyes quarterback of, and if you watch that offense play, um, you must be a Big Ten fan because that was that was painful for me, even though they were supposedly good in the Big Ten. Um, so anyway, so yeah, Sanders, that guy has now stepped in into geez. the starter role. So we're about to face a rookie in his first career start, Andy. Well, that is good news for us. Um, San Francisco does not have a lot of weapons or strengths as a team. Um, right now, defensively, um, they've given up over 2,200 yards of offense. Um, teams average about 375 yards a game, um, which is uh, good for fourth to last in the league. Um, they give up right around 260 passing yards a game and about 112 on the ground. Um, and they've been giving 24 uh, points per game up. Uh, as well to opposing teams. So if there is a game where the Cowboys offense can go out there, pound, and find rhythm, um, you're not going to get a much easier game than this uh, from here on out. There, are, you, know, you, you get to play the Chargers later in the season, um, but Fran San Francisco is probably going to be uh, about as easy as you're going to get. Um, offensively, um, you know, they're middle of the pack. Uh, they're ranked 13th offensively. They, they throw for about 321 a game. I don't think we would um, 
expect much less from a Kyle Shanahan team. Um, they rushed for just under 100 yards, 95, um, but they're only putting up 18 points. Um, so these guys probably are not killing it in the red zone. Um, they don't have, you know, the big targeted wide receiver uh, who can take your best corner on one on one. Uh, and while Carlos Hyde, I respect the guy, he, he you know, he isn't Zeke Elliott. So, um, you know, how do you see this one playing out? Right. So I'll say this about the Niners. They are 0-6. The only thing that gives me any pause at all is they're not in 0-6 like the Lions who went 0-16 that year. Um, this team has some talent. They've taken two good teams to over – I don't know, good teams. They've taken two teams to overtime that could have gone either way. They lost both of those. They were certainly in the game against the Redskins till the very, very end. They nearly beat the Rams. I think they lost by two points in a shootout. So they've been in some games. They're not getting blown out. Which I'm trying to, I don't to know about play. you, but me, a team that fights as hard as it can till the very end sounds like the worst possible matchup for a team like ours who has back-to-back weeks gotten up to very big leads only to choke them away at the end of the game. So we're going to have to put our cleat on this team's throat. Right. Yeah, this team, like you said, doesn't really have a big strength. I I know we every week you probably do this. We're going to project the Dallas Cowboys to win. <laughs> I think last week was the first week I honestly thought we might lose against the Packers, um, especially after that Rams lost, and they both played out in pretty similar fashion, unfortunately, or two weeks ago, if you will. So I suspect this week, honestly, we win by 14. I think it's it's a game that the Niners have been beat down by the fact that they've lost so many close games. Um, this team's coming off a bye. They're going to have Zeke. Uh, we're pretty healthy. I think all signs point to Sean Lee playing this week, Tyrone Smith playing this week. So it's about as healthy as you can be week seven in an NFL Agreed. season. I'm going to give you a name and here. And I, I, I like our – I like our chances a lot, this one. Absolutely. I'm going to give you a name here. Mark my words. Bryce Butler is going to have a huge game. The 49ers do not have an athletic large corner that can cover him. He had two touchdowns against the 49ers last year, uh, and I think Bryce has looked very, very good recently. Um, so I'm calling that. I think Bryce is a big game. I think Zeke has a big game, um, and I think we see a Dez sighting as well. Uh, and I'm going to agree with you. I think we're going to win by uh, – but I'm going to say 17. Um, I think we win this one uh, 27 to 10. Yeah, I think the offense gets rolling here. I think this is going to be um, – I was going to actually put it at a 38-24 okay. game. Uh, I don't even know if they score that. I This is one of the rare times I'm feeling a blowout on our end. Um, I think we've got a lot of steam to blow off. We haven't even really touched this, and I don't – know if we really want to do this on this podcast we probably won't but the whole jerry flag anthem thing that's been floating over this team and the internal strife i just think this team's got a lot of reason just want to go out and play football um now detractors on the other end may say that's a lot of distractions and the zeke things looming and they have a lot of reason to be distracted and because of that get taken off heel it's I a force they, that's either going to divide or unite this team, right? So they're either going to they're either going to take all that outside pressure 
turn inward, circle the wagons, and play as a single unit, singularly focused on winning. To that pressure, and think you know, offense will go out three and out first drive. Things get a little, you know, testy. Defense goes out there, gives up a touchdown, opening up. Suddenly they're down seven zero, um, and it's the same story. So it'll be interesting to see how this team reacts. You know, um, we'll probably save the the Jerry Jones political discussion for a different time. I agree, um, but it yeah. certainly is not at, from a totally football standpoint. Um, it's not what we wanted to see from the owner. Not right now. Um, this team's six and zero, five and zero, rolling, and he wants to make some, you know, minute statement about that. Sure, but in the middle of everything else that's going on, the trouble the team's having, it just seems like an unnecessary division. Yeah, I just don't think it was a very smart choice from Jerry, and I really think when he said it, he thought he was doing them a favor. And by then, I mean the players. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, I got the exact same feeling. I got the exact so same feeling. I, I just think he misjudged that whole thing because now, and I, I really don't want to dive in, but I'll just say now I think you're challenging grown men to stand up to you instead of for exactly. you. Exactly. Which is weird because Jerry has traditionally been a player's weird. owner. You know, like if there's such thing as a player's owner. I think owner. he thought he was being a player's owner, Goat. I think he thought yeah, he probably was. Right. You're probably right. I think he thought he was helping them out by saying, hey, y'all don't need to worry about it. And, man, more skeptical people might say it was all about the bottom line and this is hurting the NFL's ratings and we are not going to watch. Protect the shield. Protect the shield and the flag. We're not going to watch. You know, yeah, right. But – um. You know, Jerry is about the bottom line. I'm sure that played a role, but I think he – I do think in the heart of his heart he thought he was helping them out by saying, yeah, we're just going to stand. I agree. He didn't think it was going to be a command. But anyway, we'll see. You know, some people say that affected the Navarro Bowman decision. I don't know how true that is. That could be just grasping at straws. But Agreed. Agreed. Well, we'll see how it plays out. So, um, yeah, we'll see. So that, that kind of wraps us up for this evening. Um, you heard it here first, a uh, totally new and different projection here that Dallas Cowboys will win. Uh, you'll, you'll probably never hear that again on this podcast because we're never very objective and never overrate the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but as usual, guys, uh, if, you, if you like what you heard, uh, give us some feedback. We love hearing from uh, everybody that listens to the podcast. Um, like and rate the, the podcast on SoundCloud. Uh, leave us a comment. We love reading that stuff. Um, and if there's stuff you want to hear, feel free to drop us a recommendation. We'd love ideas for, for segments and bits and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to do it. Any, any parting words, Ben? Nothing more for me, brother. You know, just uh, we'll be uh, uh, continuing on Zeke Watch. I know we got a couple weeks, but uh, something to keep your eye on again. And uh, hopefully it gets resolved sooner than later. And I just want to see this team uh, – Unify goat. It's been it's Absolutely. felt divided. It's felt divided. Agreed. Agreed. Well, as always, it is Ben Walker and Andy Gatelli signing out for Boys Will Be Boys. Take it easy. Peace. <laughs>